This is the Honest CEO Show, hosted by the Honest CEO, Caroline Kennedy. Get ready to be informed, inspired, and motivated by the honest stories from passionate, extraordinary business people who share their ups and downs and their learnings on the journey to building success in business. Welcome to the show. I'm really excited because we're about to chat with Beck Derrington. She is the founder of Disruptor Publicity Platform Source Bottle, a free sh- subscription service that distributes 50,000 plus emails a day and growing fast, each crammed with free media leads. Beck has a simple vision for her business for every journalist using the service to be inundated with quality sources and for every Source Bottle subscriber to get famous using it. Source Bottle has moved beyond just a service for Australian journalists, bloggers and sources. Now the service is available in the UK, US, Canada, Ireland and New Zealand, but its core focus remains connecting journalists and bloggers with expert sources for free. Beck was a lawyer before pursuing a passion in digital marketing and public relations, where she now happily resides. While a recognised expert in media relations, publicity and influencer marketing, in her words, she remains on her L plates as a work from home parent of three boys aged 10 and under. So congratulations, Beck, on building a highly successful business. Thank you so much. <laughs> but, I, you know, I I always find that sort of nestles in very uncomfortably on my shoulders, that successful, because I, I don't know, you know, I, I sort of say, have I, have I really, am I successful yet? I don't know. I don't know. I'll, um, yeah, the jury's still out, <laughs> in my opinion. But, um, but thank you. And that's very humble of you. And there are a lot of, um, and I would say actual females in business that take that approach, because I certainly know I'm one of them, whereby you say, oh, no, well, I don't feel successful, yet you've achieved so much, you know. But that's what keeps us pushing along to continue to improve, I think, as well. Oh, absolutely. I I think that's right. I mean, I don't know what, um, a lot of people measure success differently, Um, I think certainly I'm I'm feeling a little bit more successful than when I started out because the business, like the even Source Bottle itself, is is functioning as a much more effective platform because of its scale and and the opportunities that that come through it. But um, but yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's a very sort of um, a very loose term that uh, that I still find um, I'm I'm striving to reach. Yeah, yeah. So tell us how it all began. Look, it, it started out, Caroline, with um, I was working in PR. I sort of only recently moved to Melbourne from Brisbane and I had um, I'd sort of started doing some, some PR work for myself. So I had a, a little consultancy. I had my first child and so I... You know, having I left sort of working in a very corporate, high corporate, very demanding role. Um, my husband also works in a in a corporate environment, very demanding, long hours and lots of travel. So something had to give. So with our first child, I decided that I'd work from home and try to juggle it all. 
And that was sort of my first introduction into running a consultancy or my own business. And I think um, I think I sort of that was kind of when the the challenges of the PR industry at that time. And we're talking oh, we're talking, a, a, you know, how many years now? I think eight years ago. Um, nine, actually, my son, my first son is um, is nearly 11. So we're talking 11 years ago because uh, he was only very young, I sort of started to really see the gaping holes and the challenges of the industry, you know, and that's when you've got a little bit of mental capacity to to start reconfiguring how things should work, it's when these ideas pop into your head. And, and I think this was the, you know, I, I, I sort of likened the PR industry at that stage. Um, I mean, it still operates a little in, in this way as well, but it was it was really it was really like going to a restaurant and sitting at a table and a whole sea of waiting staff putting like uh, 50 dishes in front of you and hoping standing back and crossing their finger and ho- fingers and hoping you liked one yeah. you know it was crazy it was totally asked about in my opinion <laughs> um you know that's what we were doing to journalists poor old journalists were being flooded with pictures that were completely meaningless and irrelevant and self-serving and you know like just promotional messages and they were incredibly frustrated by the process and I thought why aren't we you know using the tools now sort of that technology it was sort of crowdfund the crowdsourcing was becoming a, a thing and I thought why aren't we embracing these tools and using technology as an enabler to allow journalists who you know bloggers were just sort of starting to to create um you know a, a stronghold for themselves in Australia at that stage um other countries were much more advanced in terms of recognizing their importance in the media landscape back yep. then yep. so uh, it was sort of at that stage where I thought why aren't we yeah using technology to um collectively source great talent for journalists because I was my, I was struggling myself I didn't know I didn't know many journalists having moved to to Victoria and they were changing all the time anyway in terms of what areas they were covering and so I thought look maybe maybe there's an opportunity here um, as a home-based business to use technology to create something that did just that and that's sort of how the the beginnings or that's how Source Bottle was born um, and and the idea but you know and I, I, I sank a lot of money into it because I thought well if I'm going to if I'm going to fail at this, I couldn't see how it could fail because I just, you know, working in the industry, I, I saw a genuine need for there was a real problem and there was a genuine need for a yeah. solution like this. But I thought if, if I'm going to go down swinging, you know, I'm going to try my best. Um, <laughs> Burn the boat, as they say, you know. <laughs> um, I, I like that. I've never heard that. Burn yeah. The boat. yeah. Yes. So so that there's no going back. You're just moving forward continually. And I love what what you're talking about as well is, you know, that cross-industry innovation. And I talk a lot about this with clients because it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, it's combining things that already exist. So you saw that technology and and what was happening in, in the blogging world and how you could integrate that with PR to come up with a solution that evolved the market and provided, and also, you know, you, you recognise the problem as well. So, and you've coupled it all together to say, well, 
here we go. This is the evolution of PR and and solving everybody's problems, both the um, the journalists who are being inundated, and perhaps the you know the customer being who who's trying to interact with the journalist as well. And it's a win win for everybody. Well, that's what I thought, Caroline. But back then, um, it met with a lot of resistance. You know, I, I pressed go, pressed play on the website, and went. Okay, everybody, here's this fantastic solution to all of your problems. And there were crickets. People just didn't understand it. They didn't get it. Journalists were mocking me. I, I remember on Twitter, um, one journalist came out and was saying, yeah, you know, did you hear about Source Bottle? I'm going to ask for a pony. I went, oh, yeah, good on you. And then, and then it started to be bandied around by sort of more senior journalists who had done the hard yards and resented a tool that made life so easy for journalists as, as a tool for lazy journalists. So it was being stigmatised all over the place. Oh, no. And, and I, I yeah, really struggled. I really struggled to, to get that critical mass in the early stages so that it was going to become, you know, become a tool that would be added to everyone's arsenal as, as something that, of course, you... Of course you use. I mean, it's, it's it makes life easy, but it certainly wasn't perceived that way in the early stages, and it really was um, a process of gritting my teeth and just because I'd sunk so much money into it, I couldn't walk away, and uh, and I had to make it had to make it work. Yeah. And I think the other thing is that, you know, probably nine years ago as well, we were a little bit more resistant to change, you know, whereas now change happens so frequently. Yeah, you're spot on. Yeah. I, I think that's right. And, and Australia, you know, we, we ourselves have matured um, as sort of coming of age, early adopters, whereas back then um, we were very, as you say, resistant to change, also just sceptical of of these sorts of tools whereas now we can sort of go of course you'd be just you know a loser not to <laughs> embrace tools that make life easier like what what the That's yeah what I was yeah and it's about that disruptive um approach as well because had you not persevered through the criticism back then um somebody else would have introduced something like that in the future anyway and do you know what I mean oh, yeah That's Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, you're right. I, I, I just have to, well, you know what was really instrumental? There were a couple of great journalists that that sort of sidled up to me and said, you know, this is a really good tool. We see the potential in this. And they just gave it a shot. And no matter what, I mean, whether it meant, and I certainly did this, hitting the phones, like they'd put a call out on Source Bottle, and I might have only had sort of multiples of hundreds subscribe to the service by that stage. I mean, I was counting down every single subscriber every day <laughs> at that stage. Um, so, it, you know, I, I I would get on the phone and hit up people as a journalist, like almost like a, a journalist saying, hey, look, there's this great call out on, you know, being a mum or having had a caesar a caesarean baby and, you know, anybody that I knew that could possibly respond to the call out, I was doing the legwork because it had to work. Yeah. You know, if a journalist posted a call out, on Source Bottle and heard nothing, they'd go, this is crap. But, you know, it, it would just take a very sort of devoted journalist to keep trying again and again if they didn't get any results early on. 
Um, and there were a few of those. There were only, a, you know, as I said, just, just three that I can think of that were kind of loyal to the service. And, you know, it, I, I think they got results and so they kept coming back. And then, of course, the results just got better and better. And then the results for the people signing up got better and better. And so ultimately that's what led to its sort of, you know. The momentum. Hiccuping, hiccuping success sort of all the way up to where we are now. <laughs> I love how you say that um, because, you know, and the other thing is it doesn't, a lot of people see businesses um, rise, you know, I suppose momentum to build and rise to be popular, which is what Source Bottle is. It's very popular, which is great. Um, but they think that that happened instantly uh, as opposed to they don't realise that that took you how many years to just get to that plateau area, that momentum area where it just sort of, it built and it built quite quickly as opposed to before you were just like, as you say, getting on the phones and, um, you know, just really drumming up business and doing all that legwork and that hard work. And people don't see that, do they? And it's so important no. to talk about it because it, people, uh, businesses are generally not an overnight success and they take a lot of hard work to get them to that point. Yeah, that's so, so true, Caroline. I think I think with um, with Source Bottle, it probably took a good two and a bit years. Okay. I, you know, in the back of my mind, I had this, as I said, I had this consultancy. And, of course, uh, you know, my husband was working crazy hours and, and helping supplement my income. Um, and I was also still consulting at that stage through this business called Wagging Tongues. And I was trying to juggle both. But the end goal for me was being able to let go of my consulting work and just focus on Source Bottle. But um, and at that stage, I only had one revenue stream that I had even contemplated, which was advertising through the EDM, like yeah. through the drink up alerts, the email alerts, um, for those of you who may not have a clue what I'm talking about. Um, and so I, I thought, okay, I had to give away free ads for subscribers. I had to sort of, you know, there was a, it had to reach at least a good 5,000 people on the subscription base before potentially someone would pay a cent to be promoted to them, you know. So it took a good two and a half years to reach, um, uh, uh, you know, um, that sort of critical mass that meant that journalists were getting great results, people were getting access to fantastic media leads and advertisers were getting some return on their investment. And so and that my goal was, to, as I said, abandon consulting and focus on Source Bottle full time. So that helped sort of drive that, that, hunger in me to make it work um, as well as that terrible fear of failure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which we're all very familiar with. Well, I certainly am anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's a terror. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's what drives us too, I think. So um, when you talk about the critical mass, um, how did, you know, and you're talking like the, the 5,000 subscribers taking two years, how did you do that? Well... Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the, the thing is with, with a lot of products and services, um, it's pretty easy to, to articulate their core benefit. Um, with chicken egg businesses like Source Bottle, I had two audiences I had to kind of, I had to kind of promote it to. Um, but I, it was a quite a complex sort of message to articulate in a really short, pithy, 
<laughs> advertisement. And so the one time I did advertise, uh, you know, I heard nothing. Um, and so that was a big fat waste of money. So really for me, it had to be word of mouth. Yeah. So people who got results had to then, you know, sort of felt almost duty-bound to sort of reciprocate by giving back, by suggesting somebody else follow it and, and also get that sort of success. So there was this wonderful community sentiment that evolved out of um, out, out of people getting good results. And, and there was this lovely sort of family feeling that meant that they kind of, you know, felt duty-bound to really just recommend this on to their friends. Um, as a way of helping their friends achieve success as well. So member get member type campaigns were were very um, important back then. And so that I was saying before, uh, things like, oh look, I'll do a free promotion of your of your product or your service if you refer three friends to this to this service. Yeah. Um, and then and then so you know that sort of thing just. It kept building on everything. So what it, what ended up happening is, um, so I would do little plugs for different promotions and, and help drive sort of sales for them and they would recommend or they would sort of get three people to sign up. And so those sorts of little things, and I was all over social, particularly Twitter. I mean, I, I'm still very new to Facebook and a lot of the others. Twitter has always been my principal social media platform because, as I say, often, you know, it's where the PR, you know, consultants yeah. and where the journalists play together in the sandpit. Yeah. And so I could always, um, so my two target audiences really, and small businesses too, but, you know, PRs were really that intermediary level, um, you know, so once they sort of knew about it, it started to help build that momentum even faster. So that's, so Twitter sort of, you know, I was all over it like a rash, Um making sure if I saw a journalist trying to use Twitter as um, a platform to call out for sources, I'd sort of retweet that and then perhaps sort of hope that they would start following me and then see that there was a platform available that had broader reach than just what they did. Yeah. Yeah. So you're an early ad adapter of social media then as well, especially in those early days. You saw the, the opportunity to really leverage that. Well, certainly Twitter I was. Yeah. I mean, I... I, I still have a very sort of um, strong loyalty to Twitter, although the engagement has diminished somewhat over the years. Um, but but Twitter's been my mainstay. And, and yes, yeah, so once I started to, I mean, I, I know what you were talking in an earlier podcast, which was fascinating to Katrina Pollard, um, who's, who's brilliant. And, uh, but, you know, sort of as an introvert, she was talking about being an introvert and how that's kind of actually helped her in in you know sort of exploring and developing her role and, and people that like her to become experts um one of the things that I sort of found with it with it as an introvert is I um I spent a lot of time sort of behind a computer screen on my own and working in my own business that sort of social isolation was was a bit of a challenge for me but Twitter back then particularly was this incredible way of reaching out and expanding your network online certainly at first but then in real life and 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 creating real meaningful connections through a platform like Twitter yeah. so yes i used it very much as a business tool but the connections i made 
through that, and I think Katrina might have even been one of them, um, they actually have, have been quite instrumental in the evolution of Source Bottle. Mm, that's quite interesting. And I think, um, and I agree with you uh, in relation to, because I'm an introvert as well, and so using online to really connect and build those relationships and then taking that offline when you feel like you actually really know somebody, you know oh, what I mean? It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, some of these people that I've sort of met, you know, it's a very safe way of meeting somebody and reaching out to somebody online. Um, you know, it, you sort of, it's not too exposing. And if you get rebuffed, it's it's not like a major, you, you know, it, yeah. it's okay. I hear um, you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I mean, it, you very rarely do get rebuffed and people love forming meaningful connections with with people through social I mean it, it it's probably more profound on different platforms now with visual imagery but Twitter back then um oh geez it was just so powerful a tool for me um yeah and and to to elevate the the profile of source bottle to my target audience and I I used it I was you know on it all every day hours and hours on end um yeah, and it, it definitely drove um, the growth of the business. Yeah. And I notice now that you're actually starting to use Facebook Live and it's something that I'm contemplating and we'll get on to. Um, <laughs> takes a little t- a bit of time to build up, as I'm sure you can appreciate. <laughs> uh, but yes. you do it so well. And how are you oh. finding that? Because that, that I'm sure would have been challenging initially for you. Yeah. Oh, look, thank you. That's very kind of you to say. Um, look, I, I use it. On and off. I'm not. I I was very committed early on, but um, but you know, I feel like most things on on Facebook. Um, you know, when they first introduced Facebook Live, I had a. a um, do you know Trevor Young, who's he's brilliant sort of yes. PR um, warrior, yeah. and uh, he sort of recommended I try to do that. You know, that would be a good approach to sort of engage with the audience on Facebook because I have I don't have a visual medium you know it's quite challenging when you're looking at different platforms like Facebook with with video and with images and things it's very hard with with source bottles so I thought okay I'll I'll give it a shot and you know now I think the engagement has has dropped a little bit because Facebook live they were really trying to promote it so the engagement was huge everyone everyone saw the the Facebook live videos now I'm sort of finding that I'm not appear it's not appearing in a lot of people's feeds as much and you know so it's it's dropped a little bit so you have to keep being creative and reinventing how you engage on with Facebook live for example and I'm still trying to think of different ways more novel ways to um, talk about the top tips or um, behind the scenes kind of um, insights on different call outs and having had a chat to it like I, I did one segment that I I thought would probably be something I could do again and I I think it sort of got a bit of success was and it was sort of there was a fantastic call out for a TV opportunity for an entrepreneurial type business and um and I sort of separately spoke to the journalist and said can you give me what are you really looking for in a source for this and they gave me some sort of little background insights and so I kind of did that as a Facebook live video I'm experimenting all the time, um, 
but yeah, look, it's not. I don't think it's easy, but it's it's still again, it's kind of safe. You know, you're in yeah. your own your own space. Um, you've got sort of some control, and if you you know if you look like a bit of an idiot, okay, well you do. <laughs> but you don't see people's responses. That's what I love about anything related to video. I do a lot of video and send them out. And I think initially, and I talk to a lot of um, individuals that are quite sceptical of it uh, yeah. because they feel like they're exposing themselves. And and my common uh, response to that is, but you don't see people watching it. You don't see people's responses. So as you said before, it is quite a safe environment um, yeah. you know, and, and that's what I love about it. And you've got to be out there and, um, and, in and in this world, you know, it, it is really important. It is important to be out there, but not just about being out there, but also trying to help and educate. And I think that's always been my approach. So what's the knowledge that I have and how can I impart that? And how can I educate people? Because that's what I love. I love being educated because you don't know everything. And you don't know what you don't know. So, you know, I use, whether it be watching videos or as we talked about before, um, podcasting to really just develop and grow. And, and, you know, they're great mediums for that. But in saying that, I think social media can be quite overwhelming as well. Look, it can be. And I think, see, I mean, you've got a business where you're the face of the business. So for me, um, I can hide a little bit behind Source Bottle. Um, but but really the best engagement and the most sort of meaningful um, relationships or the longevity of a relationship is dependent on putting a sort of a human face to a business, I yeah. think. Yeah, I agree. And so which is why I've sort of pushed myself a little bit um, to, to, to be more visible. Um, it's very easy for me to hide behind everything, but if – it's only when you inject elements of your personal brand into the business brand that you start to get, um, well, you start to make connections and and every, everyone benefits from that, I think. So it, it's, it's definitely been more difficult, but I think it's a, it's a mindset. The most important thing for me, um, you know, when it comes to, and I know you talked about this in that, in that podcast with Katrina, but one of the most important things for me in dealing with self-promotion, for example, um, and trying to position yourself as an expert, um, which is something that is makes me feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, when you're sort of saying that you're you know more than someone about something or that you know you have anything to offer, yeah. is if you change the mindset and you start thinking this is about helping you. So if as long as I sort of feel like, okay, these are some some tips or these are some stuff, or if I talk about Source Bottle, I'm talking about a platform that I believe can genuinely help you. I'm not trying to um, drum up business for myself. I'm absolutely, I, I'm legitimately trying to reach out and help you. And so as soon as I changed that mindset, I became quite comfortable. Um, and I think it's females, we have a bit of a nurturing, I hate making that generalisation, I apologise, <laughs> there are a lot of men who do that too, but it, there's a very um, natural affinity with that sort of nurturing, helping, supporting um, element to a, a, a woman's psyche, I think, and so that was the way I started thinking about how I can can do that, and 
how I can be more comfortable being very visible out there. I mean, we can all put on a, a face for a period of time, but, but you know, I, I find I, I can feel very anxious when I'm, when I'm having to talk about myself or talk about my business. Um, but as long as it sort of starts turning around and you think, okay, look, I've, I'm helping. I'm trying to really genuinely help and support people so they can do better. And that just makes it much, much easier. Yeah. And I completely agree with you. And um, I can relate to that because I'm exactly the same. If I have to talk about myself or talk about my business, which is related to me, I feel very uncomfortable because I don't like selling. You know, I'm, I'm very much about how can, and when, when you turn that around, how can I help somebody? Because that's genuinely what I want to do. Um, and and if I can add value, that's really important. So I absolutely agree with what you're saying. Now, um, back. How important is PR for small business? It's the most important thing ever. Like, you know, it's it's something that's, well, you know, PR is really just sort of it's like a third-party endorsement. Um, and PR can be, you know, it can be a tr- the traditional sort of legacy-style media or it can be a blogger. But if that person, whoever that person or authority is, if they're talking to your target audience and they're saying that you are a credible expert or you are, you know, you need to be listened to because what you're saying is important, um, that's that's going to result in, in a much stronger sort of business position for you. So it's it's fundamental. I always think, you know, there's that, there's that joke um, when you talk about the value of, say, PR versus the value of advertising. Mm. When you can control the message, as you can in advertising, um, you lose a lot of credibility and trust, of course, diminishes. But when, when um, it, you know, it's like going to that, that joke when you go to a party, and I'll, I'll, I'll give the sanitised version, you go to a party and you're standing there talking to someone. Now, if I tell someone I make a great chocolate cake, they may or may not believe me. I'm controlling the message. And, you know, I've got a vested interest in telling you I make a great chocolate cake, although I can't bake to save myself. Um, <laughs> but if, if, like, you know, if John over the other side of the party were to walk up to you, to you and say, see Beck over there, she makes a mean chocolate cake, um, you're going to say, oh, wow, she really must make a mean chocolate cake because he's got no vested interest in saying that she does. So it's that third party arm's length endorsement of you and your skills or your value or your and, and you know and and now that we've got sort of access to so much information and we can do a search immediately and find reviews or find um new editorial or a blog post or a review of of something. I mean, I, I did it myself the other day. There was a product and I was thinking, I was a bit sceptical about it and I thought, oh, I don't know about that. And then I, I read an article about, about this product and it actually seemed quite legit. And so I thought, oh, well, I may as well buy it. You know, we, we, we have access to all of this, this opportunity for these third-party endorsements. Um, and as long as they're arm's length, so they're not sort of paid for, the trust there is really, really strong. And that's what PR is. That's all PR is. That's a good way of um, summarising it. And what are your tips for um, getting the media to be interested in you? Because that that can be quite challenging, especially for a lot of small businesses. 
Look, it's all about, I mean, I think the, the challenge, and certainly working in public relations, one of the challenges I always had with clients is to sort of say, why, why would they care about yeah. that? Yeah. Like they think, I mean, their universe centres around their business, so they launch a website and they think that's news. Well, of course it's not news. Um, so it's all about trying to put yourself in the position of the storyteller and say, well, how is this going to benefit their audience or why would they be interested? And, you know, there's all those devices, you know, conflict, um, timeliness. Um, oh, one of the things I often tell people with respect to source bottle because source bottle is a little bit different so i always i always sort of um, delineate between proactive media and reactive media opportunities and so so what what source bottle does is it's a reactive media opportunity platform so it it sends you you know puts these media opportunities on your lap yeah, and you can respond to that. So that's, you know, let's deal with, like, that's sort of separate. What we're talking about here is sort of proactive. So what angles, how do I sell myself, how do I position myself and who do I want to be um, talked about in front of? And I think but the, the, the fact is some of the elements of what you do with proactive is actually very relevant with reactive. And what I mean by that is, okay, so um, over the years, so media particularly like, they like stereotypes or they like breaking stereotypes. So they like to pigeonhole you as a certain type of person. Um, and when it, when it suits, I'll go along with that. So, you know, there is different story, evergreen, what I call evergreen story oh. angles that work for me, that I can use both reactively and proactively. And so I'll give you an example. So, right. um, and, you know, and these are sort of things you can have in the ready for like source bottle call outs or when you're thinking about pitching a story. So some of those, those angles would be, um, you know, I'm a female in the tech sector. Now, I don't know anything about technology, right? I just know I, I use it. I use it. Um, I love it. But I have much smarter people coding and doing all that back-end stuff for me. But I'm still stereotypically in the tech industry and I'm female and there's fewer of us um, in that space. So I, that makes a sexy angle. So that's one angle. And so when different story ideas come up, like, you know, different elements of women working and, you know, discrimination, whatever it is, sometimes you can throw that as a response because you know you've kind of got it ready you know you know how that works and that's sexy to a journalist so that's one area now as I said I don't per perfectly fit into that stereotype um, but I, I can definitely um, use that um, to my advantage and be positioned as a female in the tech sector yes yes um, another one is you know, I, I work from home, so there's a social element, a social isolation element of that. So, and, and that's always going to be topical. So you sort of think about, you know, how do you, you know, my five tips for staying sane, for example, working um, by myself, for myself, and, you know, that sort of thing, that sort of angle is, is always topical and relevant. So you can use that in response to a call out that's relevant, or, of course, you can pitch that to um, as an evergreen angle because people are interested in how, because they're struggling with those challenges themselves. So that's another 
little sort of stereotype I fit into or, you know, category I fit into. Another is um, I'm a working mum of three boys um, aged sort of 10 and under and how, how do I juggle everything? How do I balance that or, or not? Um, what are my tips for that? That sort of thing, that's another stereotype I, I fit into really comfortably and I think, okay, that's that's fine, you know. So you start thinking what are those angles that would appeal to different audiences and how how can I, my story, work in with that? And that's sort of the way you can look proactively and reactively um, get yourself in front of the media and, and, yeah, make it work for you. Yeah, and they're really good tips and good examples as well, which is, you know, important so that the listeners can see if they can relate to that. Um, what are the common uh, mistakes that businesses make in PR? What do you see regularly? Well, I think certainly with respect to, you know, I'll, I'll get emails from people saying, I've been pitching for months and I get nothing from these journalists. And I'm like, okay, well, how are you pitching? Um and I think this is sort of this is a, a common mistake that they make through Source Bottle that I also see reflected in, you know, proactive PR as well. Um, I said before, one of the things is to actually start thinking about it, PR more from the element, you know, from the from the mindset of the journalist. So you're not thinking about what's in this for me. Um, you're thinking, why is this a good story for a journalist and why would they want to tell the story you know that yeah you do that so what so what so I've got a new website so what like um um it's I've got a new product um so what why is it different how is it different that sort of stuff but I think um I think one of the things that that people fail to do when they respond to call outs is give their opinion um so you know so for example and and, so, and this is sort of again across this to the other when you're pitching to, to journalists as well one of the things that so you know if a journalist is looking for um oh, i sort of use this example a bit a, a nutrition nutritionist with 10 years experience for example and they say they, they want to talk about sugar and so um sugar in the diet and so what what a journalist will do is that they'll put a call out for example or a blogger um on source bottle saying we want to speak to a nutritionist with 10 years experience about the levels of sugar in the diet or, you know, how, how healthy is certain levels of sugar in the diet. And people respond and say, look, I'm a nutritionist with 10 years experience. Um, I can be reached here or something like that. And that's fine. That's fine. You're, you're showing that you satisfy their prerequisites for a story. But a good journalist is going to want to show a balanced story. So they'll want someone who's pro-sugar and someone who's opposed to sugar in the diet and if you go that next step and you say I think sugar is poison and it's blah 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 and here's my latest book here's my blog post on it or um, I have you know three patients that I've just treated for you know by eliminating sugar and the results have been astounding um can you imagine how much more powerful that is for a journalist to receive? You know, if they're receiving 50 to 60 responses to a call out, um, they may or may not read everyone. But if you just said, yeah, I'm a nutritionist with 10 years experience and you juxtapose that against someone who's just said this, like that's powerful and that makes you good talent. And they will, they will not only use you for that story, they'll keep your details because 
you're prepared to put your opinion out there. Um, bland is never going to work in media. Bland, bland doesn't work for anybody. No one's interested in a bland story. Um, and so, you know, if, if on the other side, they, they also sort of say, okay, well, and I have plenty of call-outs that do this too. They find one side, lots of, you know, um, so they might sort of say, okay, well, I've got a lot of people who talk about sugar being um, terrible, but I need someone who's going to talk about sugar and how, you know, perhaps it's blamed for everything um, or whatever. You know, sugar's not so bad, that kind of an angle, if I could find someone who's, who'd say that. But, you know, so if you're a nutritionist and you say, look, I think we just need to limit our consumption by this amount, but really we shouldn't be demonising sugar, you know, there's psychological issues, et cetera, et cetera. And so you, you have that balance, you have that balance with the story, and that makes you sexy talent. You've got to say your opinion. You've got to put it out there because that's actually what makes a big, big difference in terms of how much success you're going to generate in the media. Yeah, and I think it also makes life easier for the journalist as well because they don't have to go back to you and say, so how are you going to substantiate that comment? You've actually done it for them. Exactly. Uh, yeah. and, 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 and sometimes they just won't. I mean, if they've got, They're busy. If they've got 10 great results, why would they bother? Yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. And that's a really good tip. And I think um, the so what as well, you know, a lot of businesses don't realise because they are just head down, bum up in their own little bubble. They don't think about, so if you're pitching this, so what? What is that different? How are you different? You know, what's the, not necessarily the benefit, but why is what you're doing different? Um, and is there a need for it as well? Yeah, why would I want to write about you? Why do I want to tell my audience about you? Yeah. Um, because, you know, why are they going to read this article? For them, it's all about making great, you know, telling great stories. Um, a bland story is not a great story. A new website, is, it's it's nothing. You know, it, you, you've just got to keep reinventing um, how you tell your story and start connecting to the the true human need. I mean, backstories are wonderful. Like we've just, you know, we've just gone through the the grand final here in in Melbourne, of course. Everyone, you know, with the AFL, and and one of the strongest sort of um, elements that came out of that is that the Bulldogs, the winners, um, had incredibly strong backstories. You know, they were underdogs. Again, breaking stereotypes. The the one that you know they went against all odds. They had injuries, but they had this sort of wonderful human spirit story that resonated with so many people, um, and of course made great copy for yeah. journalists. So you know that sort of backstory. Talk about the the, the real reason, the why. You know, I, I know I hear that a lot, but you know. The, the, the backstory of, of what got you to this point, um, the struggles you overcame, people stories that people can relate to, um, real, the, the real driving need for your business and why it came about, that's compelling. Um, not so much the features of the business, but, but what benefit does it achieve and why did you get there in the first place? That's, that's the stuff that good stories are made of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, tell us about Influencer Hub. I'm excited to hear about this. Oh, and she's lovely. Thank <laughs> you, Caroline. It's um, so Influencer Hub is an app. It's a new platform that um, I've been working on for the last year, and I've got a couple of, of clients already now, and it's it's really exciting to watch it evolve. So, what it really is, it's a word of mouth 
platform where people who love your brand share, you know, share their brand experiences socially. So it leverages, it's it's like it's like um an advocacy platform, um, you know, through that with that amplification tool, but it's not cash for comments. So one of the problems I see at the moment um is that influencer marketing is being sold to people as um as cash for comment which is absolutely not right so you don't we've been doing that forever that's not influencer marketing that's that's called celebrity endorsement yes and and i i sort of find that we're also still applying the same traditional principles of advertising so reach we're applying that to the digital space and it's absolutely not it's it's about engagement um which of course you can't have in, in that traditional advertising sort of area so well, it's not genuine is it it's not genuine no. and people see through it and yeah. and you know so you could have you could pay kim kardashian for example ten thousand dollars to take a picture of um uh, to take a picture with holding a product that you have a handbag that you have for example um and you pay for that and that's fine and that's sort of again that's the traditional advertising so she will that image will appear in front of all her audience but if, if people who want sort of that genuine genuine engagement that's that's she's not going to respond to your query when you say how many colors what colors does it come in does it feel soft on the inside you know that sort of when you translate social um into with influencer marketing you, you couple them together it's it's about genuine um engagement and and real influence and so real influence when I, it comes down to me the more intimate the connection is with with between the two people so the person telling you know sharing the story and the person listening to the story the more intimate that connection the higher the level of trust and so i sort of i find influencer marketing um, or the influencer hub really tries to embrace that power middle so people who aren't being um aren't being sort of swooned by dollars and expecting to be paid for making sort of a comment about a brand. These are true, it embraces true brand lovers, people who genuinely love your brand and only kind of the rewards and things that you can provide, where it, whether it's access, whether it's, you know, different sort of incentives that are actually much more meaningful and um, true to that brand. Yeah. And people, you know, people are sharing love for their brands, the brands that they genuinely love all the time. This is just a way for um, a brand itself to sort of embrace these people and say, we want you to be part of an exclusive community and we want to love you back. Yeah. And so tell me what kind of, um, like, what's the target market? Which businesses or is it, um, I'm assuming it's businesses, what um uh, wh why would they come to you in respect to um, who is it going to work for? That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> Took a long way to get it out, but there no, we go. I, I totally, yeah. <laughs> so I think it, look, it's it's really catering for people who are doing a lot of work in this space anyway. So they're people who have a lot of brand, genuine brand love, um, and they they want a easier way to connect with those people and to love them back. So like um, a brand with a lot of brand love, for example, like, you know, say like a Bunnings, for example, 
Um, I'm not saying they're a client, but I'm just saying, like, you know, a Bunnings. You've got a lot of people who love Bunnings. They're doing pictures. They're doing images. They're doing everything. They're doing it because they love the brand. Well, if Bunnings were to say, I love you back, please come into this exclusive community. I mean, it's all gamified, of course. You get points and, you know, and they have um, – yeah, they have an opportunity to share the content that Bunnings sort of want them to share or create their own content. Um, but, you know, they also get that sort of, oh, my God, Bunnings then sort of can send them, send out a message saying, we love you or thank you so much. And, you know, start to have that real engagement with their true, true advocates. And and they stay on this platform and they get sort of rewarded, whether it be, you know, I know, Bunnings vouchers, you know, free sausage. I don't know. You, you've just got... It's just a completely different playing field where you're embracing those, the genuinely sort of um, loving people and just thanking them for, for doing what they, you know, a legitimate way of thanking them for, for doing what it is and what they do anyway um, without requiring payment. So yeah. it's it's leg, like it's, it's, it's genuine word of mouth marketing but via social yeah. and at scale. And if anyone was interested in um, investigating this a little bit more, where can they go and have a look? Well, you can, um, the, the website is influencerhub.com and you can ask for a free demo and uh, we'll happily organise that for you. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now, you're a mum. We talked about that before um, with your boys, all under 10. And you run a highly successful business um, and I'm sure it's it's very demanding on your time. Both are. So how do you manage all of that? Badly. <laughs> I, I honestly, That's a good answer. Honestly, <laughs> I, just, I just struggle. Every day is more, is just, you know, different sets of challenges, lack of sleep. I, I think that, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of parents, I won't say mums, but, um, you know, we suffer from the burnt chop syndrome. So, do you know, have you ever heard of that expression before? No, I haven't actually. I'm quite interested to hear more about it because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I can relate. Oh, I know you can relate. Hmm. It's, so it's the burnt chop syndrome is, you know, is the fact that mums in many cases will keep the burnt chop for themselves and they give all the good chops to everybody else. So, um, and that's what I think most of us do just to get through is we put our own needs last. So, for example, my I might, you know, like a normal human being might need at least six hours sleep a night. Well, that may not happen very often. And um, because I'm either having to do extra work or I'm being woken up by sick children or whatever, but you just push through. So I think the main thing that I've sort of come through this knowing is that if you if you're doing running a business for the wrong reasons um you will not be able to sustain the pressure that it puts on your on your life mm. so if you're if you don't personally love and believe in what you're doing and enough to sustain it over years and years, not talking sort of, you know, that initial honeymoon period with a new business, <laughs> then I think um, you'll find it all too hard. And so if you're if you you're genuinely motivated to do it, and I mean, and sometimes it's like a marriage of any description. Sometimes you fall a bit a little bit out of love and you need to re reunite and reconnect with a business. 
and sort of go, well, what's what's up, what do I need to do? How can I how can I challenge myself a little bit more with this? Or what what ways can I and I hate this expression pivot the business the way I'm running it? How can I improve things? Do I take on new staff? Do I do I change things up a bit to sort of reinvigorate my passion for the business? But if you don't have that passion and you're motivated motivated for the wrong reasons, you cannot juggle yeah. family and work. Because it just it's just takes its toll. It's just too hard. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with you. And the other thing that I came to terms with, especially after having children, um, is that uh, I gone is perfect, you know. And not that anything ever was perfect, but I don't expect it. Things just get thrown at you left, right and centre. And you have to step up to that and deal with it as opposed to saying, you know, why did that happen? Um, you know, they, it, that it happens and you've just got to go with the flow and know that that's life. Yeah. And, and, you know, that whole kind of oh, sort of that, that being really critical of people and the parenting yeah. business, whatever, like I just, just, you know, they just need to go away. People like that because everyone's just doing their best and I'm doing my best. I make mistakes every day in every element of my life and I think but I can't I, I, I'm not going to be that bitch in my head saying oh well, you could have done that better oh really so they're having you know that for dinner again and um have they had their vitamins today you know that kind of <laughs> bitch bitch mm. in my head that's that's making me feel like I'm so I'm inadequate yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I know and we're our own worst enemy that way as well but like you said before um, why do you know why do people criticize this my biggest bugbear because everyone walks their own journey and yes. we have no right to criticize anybody else they might be doing something different to us but that's okay it's exactly. their right to do something different and it, we should never judge people because we don't know what they're going through and at the end of the day they're living their own lives and who are we to judge I so agree <sighs> and so you know so if, if I see that creeping in or when I get a really horrible email or I get something and it's putting me down, it's putting the business down, I sort of have to just step away and say, I'm just doing my best and, okay, that's fine. You have an opinion. You're coming from a different place than me. And I try to be gentle with myself. And and I think as long as you you just – and if you – you know, if sometimes I'm not doing my best. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, okay. I can cop that on the chin. I need to step up a bit. But, you know, that, that's that's life. But I really do believe that gen most of the time we're doing our best. I need to shut down the bitch in my, in my head and I need to just say, okay, tomorrow's another day. I might need a little bit more sleep. I'm feeling a little bit cray-cray um, and I just need to chill out, Chachi. Yeah, that's very good advice. <laughs> And I'm certainly going to take that on board. <laughs> it, it's a, yeah, it, it's a timely reminder, I think. So I'm <laughs> glad we had this chat. And <laughs> and finally, what does the future look like for you in the business? Well, I want, you know, I want Source Bottle to just skyrocket. I sort of, I've reached a stage where I'm like, okay, it's been very organic. Maybe I need to do something a little bit more proactive. So I'm sort of thinking about Source Bottle and changing things and probably 
um, getting more hands-on and supporting people in terms of becoming experts, like how they can do that and doing a little bit more myself, sort of, you know, whether it's it's webinars, et cetera, that sort of stuff to help be even more supportive to them rather than just being a platform to connect those people, to help them become better experts, which, which of course, everyone benefits from, journalists and them. Yeah. So I think probably that definitely, sort of more uh, providing better education tools around that to support them. That's definitely one element. That's the source bottle. And, of course, Influencer Hub is another new bright, shiny thing um, that's that's distracting me from source bottle as well, but I truly love it and I, I think there's a real need for it. And so I'm just watching that grow. And, uh, and so, yeah, so a little bit frenetic in terms of my life but um but exciting exciting new challenges and uh yeah so hopefully watch this space oh i'm sure um watch this space will be you know like especially the education side of things and that's the next phase for you really isn't it because you've got yes. the platform to this level and it's and I, and i love your approach about how can i um continue to help so it, it is that approach of being um, customer-centric, really, <laughs> you know, yeah. like we talked about earlier. And, Who would have thunk it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and Influencer Hub, um, again, you saw a need for something and you stepped in there, which I think is, it'll it, you know, it'll go from success to success. Oh, thank yeah. you very much. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciated it. I just loved chatting with you. Um, and I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure our listeners is going to get a lot out of this conversation. Oh, look, thank you for listening to my ramblings. I loved chatting to you too. And, um, yeah, I really hope, I really hope that there's just one nugget of wisdom at least. Oh, I'm sure there's quite a few. <laughs> Thanks, Beck. Thanks, Caroline. Thank you for listening to The Honest CEO Show with Caroline Kennedy. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe on iTunes for your weekly dose on all things business. We've also made it easy for you by linking the subscribe to button on the virtual executive website. Caroline shares free business tools and resources there too. And if you're stuck and need some advice, book a free 30-minute session with Caroline or one of her team. Go to www.virtualexecutive.com.au and check it out.